I'm so excited that my book, Come Home to Your Heart, which is part personal essay collection, part guided journal, is available for pre-order. The link is in the show notes. It truly is a book that I wrote from my heart to your heart so that you can remember your innate wisdom and fall back in love with yourself. When you pre-order, this gift of knowing yourself will be delivered on your doorstep as soon as it's published in May. Now, on to today's episode. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I'm a writer and a writing coach who helps women develop and publish their memoirs and essays. But most importantly, I'm a human who's always trying to figure out what my soul is saying. Each week, I'll share stories and tips of healing, hope, and following my heart so that you'll feel inspired to follow yours. Hello, my friends. Today, we're going to talk about titles, how to title your story or essay or book. This is huge. Titles are really important because with a bad title, it doesn't matter how good your piece or book is, the reader will not keep reading. So I wanted to bring to you some of the top things to consider when creating a title and some inspiration for how to create your best title. And there are five different things to consider when you are thinking about what to put as your title and how to get the most reader engagement. So let's dive in. First and foremost, your title should make the reader curious. Your title should make the reader curious. There is a writer in my community who has been on this podcast. You should check out her episode, Kelly Q. Anderson. And she has an incredible title of one of her pieces, which is called The Ghost Can Stay. The Ghost Can Stay. Automatically, you know that your brain goes, why? (laughs) Why would we want the ghost to stay? And so as soon as your reader forms a question, then they want to read to find out the answer. One of my favorite essays, a really, really emotional essay that I kind of have to be in the right place to read it because it's so moving and jarring is called Now I Need a Place to Hide Away. And it's by Anne Hood. And it's in Modern Love in the New York Times. But when you listen to that title, Now I Need a Place to Hide Away, right away you think, why? Why does this narrator want or need to hide? And you keep reading. So when you're thinking about titles and maybe you have a few different ideas written down, you want to ask yourself, does this make my reader ask a question? Because if it does, if they're asking, but how, but why, but when, but where, but who, they will read to find out the answer. And in a kind of interesting vein from there, sometimes your title is a statement 
that gives a call to action. So there's an inherent question in there. For example, when I was thinking about the title for my book that just came out, Come Home to Your Heart, I was really thinking about the book being an invitation, a journey opening for reflection for people to come home to their heart. And the inherent question there is, but how? And I hope that my book is the answer for that. So there's a call to action, come home to your heart. And the reader then goes, and how do I do that? And your book becomes the answer to that question. It becomes the solution. So when you're thinking about your titles, you want to think about how they form a question in the reader's mind. And most often it's a how or a why question. One of the second things you might want to think about is length. Are you a short title person or are you a long title person? Are you somewhere in between? It's really interesting the trends that we see just in publishing. Sometimes long titles are all the rage. Sometimes short titles are all the rage. It goes back and forth. But what I ask of you is what feels natural to you? For me personally, I very rarely write a one-word title. It just doesn't flow easily from me. My titles are often a few words, whether it's the title of an essay or a book. I'm rarely short. Doesn't mean, however, that I don't love really strong one-word titles. So some really popular one-word titles are Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Lit by Mary Carr, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And so you have these one word titles and even just the shortness of it has an impact on the reader because it's like a punch and they go, oof. And it leaves a bit of mystery and they want to know more. And this is where the key of the subtitle typically comes in, in that you have the one word punch, but then you have the give you a little bit more subtitle. So wild has the subtitle of lost and found on the Pacific Crest Trail. And we understand that the lost and found part is both physical and metaphorical, emotional. So the narrator will lose and find themselves along the journey of this hike. When you have your one word titles like wild, untamed, lit, oftentimes I find that they're adjectives, describing words. Again, they make the reader form a question. Who's wild? Who's untamed? How do we become wild? How do we become untamed? Lit. Lit is double meaning. Lit by Mary Carr is about her literature journey, becoming a writer, becoming a literature professor, a writing professor. Lit 
But then you also have her journey of addiction lit, as in drunk. And so she talks there about her journey from alcoholism to and through sobriety. So if you can have a one-word title that has a strong adjective, but also has double meaning and creates a question in the reader's mind, you've got a really impactful thing. But then you do need to think about, especially for memoir or nonfiction, the subtitle. And the subtitle is typically a going to and going through. So the going to and going through is both physical and emotional. So if you take Wild, for example, from lost to found on the Pacific Crest Trail, you have the going to, which is the physical. We can see that this narrator is going somewhere on a hike along the Pacific Crest Trail. If we read a little bit of the summary, we understand that she's going from California to Oregon. And there's a physical journey we can see. The going through is the emotional journey. And so from lost to found implies that there's a feeling of aimlessness, of being lost, and then finding oneself. So if you are worried about or focusing on a subtitle, think of that formula, going to and going through, does your subtitle hint at the physical journey as well as the emotional journey? Now, when you're thinking about length, we talked about the short titles, but then you can think about the longer titles as well. Sometimes just the fact that a title is long makes it intriguing as long as it's not too clunky or overwhelming. Shauna Nyquist, one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. I guess I haven't learned that yet. You've got seven words there, so it's bordering on the long-ish, and there are certainly longer titles as well. And just that whole phrase makes the reader wonder, you haven't learned what yet, but then it also makes us go, oh, thank goodness she doesn't have it all figured out because I don't have it all figured out either. So there's the relatability factor. But in terms of length, the length itself, whether being long or short, can be attention grabbing just by the amount of words on the page or the brevity of words on the title page. Okay, so keep that in mind. Either way, we still, when it comes to length, need to have the doesn't pose a question in the reader's mind, doesn't make them want to keep reading to know how or why. And then it gets to the relatability factor. Words like wild and untamed, they draw us in because we want to be wild. We want to be untamed. And so it really gets at something deep in our core, our deep desires. And so that's how the reader connects with something like, I guess I haven't learned that yet. The relatability factor is less about, oh, it's an adjective I want to become like wild or untamed, but more of, oh, and this reveals that I can be who I am and I can be okay with that. I don't have to become someone or something else. And that's a relief. So it either gets at a desire or a relief, essentially. So we've talked about the question component of it. We've talked about length. 
Then oftentimes titles are attention grabbing because of their poetics or lyricism, especially around alliteration. A lot of titles like to focus on alliteration. That is when you have the same sounding letter at the beginning of the words. So for example, Shauna Nyquist, one of her other books is called Present Over Perfect. You have the P and the P. Look at any bookshelf and bookstore and you will see alliteration everywhere. There's something about the repeated sound that not only engages us, it is music to our ears, but it also embeds itself into our memory cells. And so the reader is much more likely to remember it, reference it, have it stick in their brain, not forget it. So they hear it somewhere, they see it somewhere, and they come back to it because they can remember it easily. So you might want to consider the actual sound of your title when you're thinking about what words to put down for a piece. And alliteration is one way to get there. Oftentimes, I see reverse wordplay or just interesting wordplay. This is where you have a title based on a phrase that is well-known or existing, but then you mess with that phrase. I'll give you an example. There's a book and popular podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller. Now I think the podcast is just called the Kathy Heller Podcast, but she wrote a book called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And why does that stick in your head? Because it plays on the phrase, don't quit your day job, which somebody might say in response to somebody not being talented in a certain department, but don't keep your day job piques the reader's interest because they go, but how can I possibly, how can I quit this? How can I leave that? So the playing with an established phrase can really stick with your reader, as well as another example by an author named Kate Bowler. She wrote a memoir called Everything Happens for a Reason, but then her subtitle is An Other Lies I've Loved. So she took the popular phrase, everything happens for a reason, and she's spinning it on its head to say that's a myth, that's a lie. She doesn't believe that everything happens for a reason. In the book, she talks about being a young mom and wife and getting a stage four cancer diagnosis. And so well-meaning people would try to say the right thing to her, but when they would say something like everything happens for a reason that did not sit well given the diagnosis she received. And so from there, she went on to create a podcast and the podcast is called Everything Happens, <laughs> right? Taking out the for a reason. And so when you come to a phrase that is well known, but you mess with it or contradict it, that's another way of grabbing the reader's attention. And then the last thing to consider when you don't even know how to choose a title, it's like you're not even deciding between multiple titles, but just, I don't even know how to come up with one, is consider the patterns of what's already in what you're writing and see if any phrases are repeated or stand out. 
So if you're writing a book, there might be a repeated phrase or pattern. If you're writing an essay, there might be a standout sentence or phrase that really hits home the core essence of something. Kelly Corrigan's book, Tell Me More, Tell Me More is the title of the book, but it's one of her chapter titles. And so she used it because it was a standout moment and she took it and also put it onto the book title. In my own experience, my memoir of this much, I'm sure, I had no idea what to title it. I was actually going to title it for now because it was just my experience of infertility. Everything felt like, okay, this is how things are for now. And everything felt temporary. Everything felt uncertain, unguaranteed, completely up in the air. That's what the core essence of the memoir was about. My lack of control, my lack of certainty over our process of trying to have a family. And so I first had for now. And then I was working with my agent who also played an editor role. And she pointed out a scene in the book in which my husband's cousin, who is a mentor to me, is a mentor to me, Amy. Amy Pooser, she's been on this show. When I was in the throes of hardship and loss and infertility, she wrote me an email. And she said, you will have your baby of this much, I'm sure. And just her certainty in the face of so much uncertainty gave me such hope. I didn't know if that would come true. I didn't know how it might. Uh, We didn't know if IVF would work, if naturally would work, even though we were told it wouldn't. We didn't know surrogate adoption. We didn't know. But just having her say, you will have your baby of this much, I'm sure, her certainty gave me hope. And so my agent pointed out that phrase of this much, I'm sure. And it just kind of stuck because really, truly, the book is about not being sure of anything, but having to have some internal driving hope, even if it's completely made up and unwarranted and illogical. And what's so interesting about that book is that very fact of like, I wasn't sure about anything and I will never be sure of anything fully. We're always works in progress. None of us knows for sure about anything. (laughs) So that title of this much, I'm sure, is about not being sure at all, but going forth anyway. So look through your writing and see if there are any repeated phrases with come home to your heart, come home to your heart is my latest book. And I noticed that in my writing, I kept on talking about home, home, home. Initially, the title of that book was home is in your soul. So I knew it would have to be something with home. But when I kept writing and talking, I kept using the words home, heart, 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 all over the place. I started my podcast in the midst of the writing of that book. And so it was heart of the story. And every time I would lead a meditation, I would think of it as a coming home to your heart. And lots of people have talked about coming home to themselves. But to me, it is that. But there's something about 
the heart center, not the brain, not the body, the heart center, the place of emotion, that was even more what I wanted to tap into. I could think all day long and my brain will just take me in very, very sometimes interesting but also sometimes worrisome places and obsessive places. So we didn't want to think about the brain. I really wanted to think about coming home to the heart space, the emotional space, the intuitive space, the source of wisdom, the source of curiosity and wonder and love. And so hence come home to your heart. So those were phrases that kept on being repeated in the book. Okay. So those are my tips for titles. Think about titles that pose a question in the reader's mind that you will answer in the book. Think about the length and how that impacts it. Think about the poetics, how it sounds, maybe using alliteration. Think about the wordplay on maybe a phrase. And think about repeated phrases. And often those repeated phrases are ones that are going to stick in the reader's mind, like Leanna Tinkersley's book, Hope Anyway. In her book, she talks about hope in the face of all this stuff, being down and out and having hope despite all of that. And the hope that anyway, the addition of the anyway is such a almost relief granting. It's like, okay, yeah, I know. Let's recognize reality. Bad things happen and still and yet I'm going to have hope. Another interesting one that sticks out too is a a book that just came out recently, Bad Vibes Only. (laughs) Bad Vibes Only. (laughs) It's like taking a phrase and spinning it on its head rather than good vibes only, bad vibes only. These are some interesting ways to really think about titles that will capture a reader's attention and stick with them. If it's helpful, feel free to take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me at Nadine Kenny Johnstone. Let me know some of your favorite titles. I want to know the best titles out there. So can we start a thread? Let me know, tag me, and we'll start a thread of the best, most engaging titles, ones that you've written and are ones that other people have written and you have loved. There's a wonderful title of another podcast that I love is my producer Michelle's podcast Daring to Tell. Doesn't that make you wonder, ooh, what have people dared to tell? I want to know. You should check out her podcast. Remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week. <laughs>